Welcome, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Why do they hate Miranda? You're listening to I Couldn't Help But Podcast. Carrie is the fucking worst. An unofficial Sex in the City podcast. Hosted by Joe Daniel Montalongo and Paige Clarno. Charlotte, shut the fuck up. Welcome, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Why do they hate Miranda? You're listening to I Couldn't Help But Podcast. Carrie is the fucking worst. An unofficial Sex in the City podcast. Hosted by Joe Daniel Montalongo and Paige Clarno. Charlotte, shut the fuck up. Um, what am I listening to? Sick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Polly Part 3. I'm Morgan Freeman, and you're listening to I Couldn't Help the Podcast. <laughs> Isn't this Polly Part 4? Yeah. Or are you going to be releasing the other one? I think the other one is just a special edition. We okay. we didn't even end up touching on polyamory that much. Okay. So I, I feel think like that's I just a, a Jess bonus. Okay. <laughs> a Jess bonus? A Jess bonus. A bone Jess? Mm. No. 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 Okay, so this is Polly Part 3. So this is officially Polly Part 3. Welcome. Thank you. John Vigneo. <laughs> what is the intention of Polly Part 3? So Polly Part 3 um, is to talk about how slash if motherhood has changed your polyamorous status. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we, ha- we have some questions Just from like, the I masses. Never mind. I know. Paige sent me this list of questions that people had and she was like are any of these too much do you like not agree to do any of them and i was like no i'm fine with all of them but i am annoyed by all of them yeah well and i'm gonna let you know (laughs) um yeah i will i'm all about consent that's something that joe and i don't ever really record but we always talk to our guests about before we start rolling that's is like is there anything that is 100 off the table stay away from it i don't want to talk about it and that being said, if there is something that comes up that you didn't realize you were triggered by, just make eye contact with me or Joe and do a big shake of your head and we will just go nice. another direction. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm an open book. I'm fine. I'm willing to talk about anything even while triggered, but I'm going to let you know how I feel about it. I love Perfect. it. The first question um, has actually been a question for the whole time that we have been recording these podcasts. No, hold on, pause. Can you <laughs> update me on where we are? Because it has been so long since we recorded Polly Part 1 and Polly Part 2. Mm-hmm. What did we talk about in those episodes? Um, Polly Part 1 was mostly about like an introduction to okay. polyamory, okay. how it started for you, okay. um, how Joe reacted to it. Joe okay. hopped in a little bit. Okay. Um, Polly Part 2 um was with you and oh my boyfriend at the time and your who boyfriend broke at the up time. with me that day <laughs> right after the podcast right after declaring to the whole world that polyamory was his new thing and that it made so much sense to him yeah that's great that text was just wild was like uh, uh, what? <laughs> you're like should what? we not air it i was like air that shit let yeah. him let this follow him around forever yeah i was totally like we'll we'll take three months and we'll and we'll let you like be there and then we'll calm down and then we'll go forward but yeah that was and i felt like absolute shit for at least two weeks i was just like yep i did it i made fun of it and it happened i need to stop opening my big mouth wait what did you make fun of 
No, we just we like made that joke a couple of times on that podcast. We were just like, oh, yeah, Miko's just left. He's left the building. He's uh, like, I can't do this anymore. Ha ha. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. But I do remember talking about I had a three month curse and that he mm-hmm. and I were at it at the three month mark. <laughs> so. Yep. And so he was. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did that fun thing uh, that we talked about last time where I took too much personal responsibility for that and felt awful. Oh, for a very yeah, long no. time. So I was just like, oh, my God. Paige. The love of his life came back into his life, I think, was jealous and maybe even slightly triggered that he was with me and was polyamorous and then was like, I want to be polyamorous. And then I was like, hey, just so you know, she's going to tell you she doesn't actually want to be polyamorous. <laughs> but he was like, he told me if I was going to be monogamous for anyone, it is literally only her. So basically, the love of his life came back was like i want to be poly and then we were poly for like two weeks and then right after the podcast he was like so she just told me today that she wants to just be me and her but i didn't want to bail on the podcast which is so <laughs> weird <laughs> why is that your priority instead of like taking care of the relationship i don't know because he's a like, confused scared boy which is fair but it's still just like yeah. i think on the list of things to be preoccupied with like recording a podcast it's not right well he was very confused about his feelings because he didn't know he was going to say yes he actually wanted to see how i felt about it and like was i gonna fight for the relationship and i laughed and was like oh god i like you a lot and i would love to but i already know how that's gonna end and you have to like you're Mm. like you guys are clearly meant to be together Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna stand in the way of that and you know what makes me not a victim because what did i say in the special edition podcast that taking personal responsibility is what frees you from victimhood not my idea okay it's something i learned um what makes me not a victim to it is i dated a newbie Mm -hmm. i dated a poly newbie that was something that i consciously chose to do and so it is my personal responsibility when that poly newbie acts exactly how you could predict that they would i'm not a victim to that he's cute i'm happy for them i think they're still together i got blocked shortly after that yeah she was way threatened uh yeah probably (laughs) i don't know sometimes i'm like did i do something and then i'm like no it's probably just it is probably really intimidating to like because again we broke up we still liked each other it's not like our relationship had gone to Mm. shit Mm -hmm. and he had just declared publicly that he was like (laughs) polly you know and so (laughs) anyway Okay, so that was fun, episode fun. two. So that was, and yeah, that was episode two. You were also pregnant. Right. Two. So oh we God, were talking now. about. Okay, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, you weren't. Just that adorable. anxiety. <laughs> that adorable what? child upstairs is actually mine. Gotta go. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's almost 21 months old, which means we recorded more than two years ago. Which yeah. is bonkers because we've only been doing this podcast for six months. So, <laughs> yeah, how does time work? How does time work? I well, don't know. We just jumped, in, like, we jumped an hour back. So, I think oh, that means, like, yeah, the 21 true. months became six months. Somehow. I'm sorry, y'all. Mm-hmm. I know time passes, but that straight trips me out because I do remember being pregnant recording that episode. Mm. And now, here now we are. Here we are. And he is upstairs yeah. taking a nap. And he's beautiful and precious mm-hmm. and great and knows how to communicate. He's the cutest. Gave me the laugh of my life earlier this morning when we were eating breakfast. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking precious little baby. Yeah. And, like, one of the questions, like, on the developmental thing is, like, if he notices he's making you laugh, will he continue to invest in doing that? And I was like, bitch, please. Yes. 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 He's a fucking showman. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. I know. Oh, my God. Azzy, the shaman showman. Oh, my God. The shaman The greatest showman. shaman showman. The greatest shaman. Like no. We're going to better music. Well, we're just making it better. Okay. 
That's the movie that I love. <laughs> for your, oh my god! For your fave bad movie. Oh it's no! The showman. No, it is a bad movie. Because Everyone Jenny hates that Bix movie. wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Anyways, not, let's say let's run down. Hate that movie so much. I was hoping it never had to get there. No, I'd rather oh talk gosh. about burlesque than fucking the greatest <gasps> showman. And I hate burlesque. Do, can I do burlesque? Yes. Okay. Oh my god, perfect. <laughs> um. So let's jump into the question. So like I was saying, this question has been on the list since the first episode. Okay. Um, and I have always pushed it off. Okay. Because I don't like it. Okay. But I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Um, if Joe came to you, said that he did not want to do polyamory anymore, do you feel like you could be monogamous with Joe? So you know how sometimes like you're learning like the scientific method or especially in sociology and like you ask a question and actually the other person's like that question actually doesn't make sense to the study. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about that question. That question doesn't make sense to the study because um, it kind of does. So um, yes, like if Joe in theory was like, babe, for whatever reason, he just went through a gnarly breakup. I just went through a gnarly breakup. Um, something devastating happened or just some weird existential midlife crisis. And he was like, babe, can we just um, be monogamous for a minute? Yeah, totally. But I am not monogamous. That is not who I am. So would a, in a gay male partnership, if one partner was like, hey, can um, we not be gay for a minute? Or I don't know what fucking metaphor makes sense. Or like, yeah, if a straight couple and the guy was like, hey, babe, can we not be hetero for a minute and I can just be gay for a minute? Like, it doesn't make sense. The question doesn't make sense. So I am not monogamous. So would I be monogamous for Joe? Yes, but it would have a time limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can, you know, it's not, I definitely was very selfish early on in our relationship and just in general in my life and have learned and worked very hard over the last few years, not to just learn not to act selfishly, but actually try to undo the selfishness that I am by feeding my selfish side in other ways through shadow work. But um, yeah, but I would listen to him, but he also wouldn't ask me that for longer than it would be equally as selfish. So people would be like, that's so selfish that you wouldn't be monogamous for Joe. But it would be equally as selfish for him to not be polyamorous for me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. But people always err on it's the poly person who's being selfish by wanting that lifestyle and not the monogamous person who's being selfish. Which is what you Because programming. Right. And you guys have agreed to do a polyamorous lifestyle. So that's, in this sense, that would make sense that if someone says, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. They're the out ones, not you. But it's just, like you said, it's the conditioning that we have that makes Mm -hmm. it monogamy is immediately the default and doing outside of that that means othering the other person so really my answer to that question is sure i would be monogamous for joe because i would assume that it was just some weird thing that we needed to do as a couple and like yeah i can there's a lot of things you do for your partner um that like if you have a hobby that your partner's like hey this is draining our bank account can we not do that for a little bit sure i really want to do that hobby but you're right like let's chill for a minute blah 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 Mm -hmm. so if there was like some reason or he just wanted if we were having marital issues or something and we needed to like go to counseling and work on just us having nothing even to do with polyamory and we just needed to like chill for a minute um and not have other people in our lives because it's like when you get sick you start to focus on just yourself so if there was something like that going on yes 
but ultimately it would only be temporary because at some point Joe and I are no longer compatible if he's asking me to be monogamous forever and if that's what that person is asking then the question doesn't make sense Hmm. and I feel when people ask that the question is hey do you love your husband or do you like fucking other people yeah right which is why the question is very annoying yeah right because people People want to disguise their questions as, oh, I'm interested in what you would say. But it's very much like a, you would leave your husband just to sleep with other people. It's like, no. If Joe's asking me to be monogamous, we're no longer compatible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then we yeah. no longer work the way we set out to work. Like, yeah. And a lot of these questions are like that. They're very much like... Well, they're coming from that person's triggered place. Right. Yeah. Of like, that person's in a monogamous relationship, and they're trying to fucking fathom what it's like for your partner to be like, I'm Polly now. And then... The first question that comes up is, okay, they're poly, but would they stay monogamous for me? Hmm. Right. Which is so weird because it's it's these people who are insecure in their own relationships yeah. who just need to hear that someone else would sacrifice who they yeah. are for that person. I know. Which means you are not ready to be in a relationship regardless mm-hmm. whether you're monogamous or polyamorous. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. You don't ask someone to sacrifice their being for right. yours. And if, right. together. if you were to really translate that question, that is what the translation is, is are you willing to sacrifice who you are to maintain our marriage? And God, no. Because mm-hmm. no one should ever do that. Work. Yeah, then it's, then it's not going to work. But yeah. You're but that's it. what I like, like and dislike about all of these questions that we're going to get to is the fact that a lot of people think this way. Right. And talking about it is going to help that totally but i'm gonna be like this no i'm <laughs> and that that's what we need to be like though like yeah i'm just saying we need to help them i know <laughs> and which sounds super condescending and i take total responsibility for my tone and my annoyance you are not responsible for my triggeredness around that question but <laughs> i am gonna tell it like it is but also mm-hmm. if they get offended from the way that you're responding that means that's their their word yeah. mm-hmm. that's their equal parts if you're listening to this and you have asked some questions, and you're ready to receive some questions, be ready to see what that means. Yeah. It's not just a blanket statement. It's going to be emotionally charged. And if it lands in your world, do some work. Figure out why. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so to repeat sort of a metaphor I shared in the special edition episode, which behind the scenes, we sat down to record this episode and then went off on so many beautiful tangents that we had just (laughs) divided into two (laughs) episodes. But in that special edition, I shared that we have now been monogamous or polyamorous for so long that I forget that it's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, and like a fish doesn't know it's in water. And I compared mm-hmm. it to learning a language where you know a language so well, you're no longer translating. You're just thinking in in that language and dreaming in that language and speaking in that language. That's how I feel. So questions like this pull me out of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry. We speak different languages. I forgot that we are cross-cultural right now and I need to translate and be respectful of <laughs> okay but also as with learning any other language their context is different from the context that you understand things in so mm-hmm. assume totally. the benefit of charity for people okay <laughs> jealousy are you ready for it Jess you are very awesomely open about jealousy that you have within a relationship and how you deal with it do you have to deal with others having jealousy and how do you manage that like others having jealousy about me yeah like I think just what we were talking about with Miko and his girlfriend and like not to that extreme of like I'm leaving forever but do you have other people in polyamorous other polyamorous relationships and something happens within that that they're like oh no sorry babe I can't hang out with you today because they got upset like oh, how do you deal with that kind of thing like my boyfriend's girlfriend's jealousy of me mm-hmm. um I don't I haven't had that in a 
really long time. So I don't know. Um, Kind of what's coming up for me right now is like jealousy happens and the way that we handle it is very lovingly. So when you're full and you're secure and your partner in a polyamorous situation gets jealous and you don't need them to not be jealous because that's not triggering you at that time. The way that we handle it, which I'm sure I've talked about before, is that we just confess it. So like, I'm feeling jealous. And then Joe will be like, oh, why are you jealous? And I'll be like, because you're taking so-and-so to a buffet. And you know I love buffets. And you haven't <laughs> taken me to a buffet in forever. And he'll be like, oh, babe. Oh, I love you. What do you need to hear? And I'll be like, I need to hear this, this, and this. And he'll tell me. Okay, now what do you need me to do? Well, I need you to make take me to a buffet. Great, let's do it on Friday. Okay. You know, and so like you just... Weird if you talk about what's wrong with you, other people can help you. Right. And Wild. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, and as long as you're not like, you shouldn't be jealous, that's ridiculous. But if you're in a really loving place and you can be like, what do you need to hear? What do you need me to do? Most of the time it can be quelched. So my first answer to that question is if my boyfriend's girlfriend was feeling jealous... I'd be like, oh, what does she need? Does she need to be included on this date? Do you guys need some alone time? But once if it got out of hand and I felt like that jealousy was being used to manipulate or to gain power or control, um, I probably would remove myself from that relationship because at that point, like I said, ugh, this sounds so like cocky. We don't play at that level anymore. Like we are really good at being poly and that's Mm -hmm. not really a thing for us anymore. And so... If we were dealing with someone who struggled with jealousy frequently, I it would be a sign to me that they weren't ready for polyamory or we weren't the right match for them or that there was other issues in their relationship. And I'd be like, mm, we should probably not be doing this. That's how I would handle it. Hmm. Adding to that, based off our other conversation where we're not responsible for other people's feelings, if someone like in the situation where you just built up, is it Joe's responsibility to make you not feel jealous anymore? No, not at all. What is the work that you are doing then? Because in this situation, just as the hypothetical, it seemed like Joe was the one who was kind of trying to to make up for what you were feeling. Mm -hmm. What work would you think that you need to do in order to get out of that? So jealousy for me, the personal work side of that is coming from I'm not full. So I'm obviously lacking something. So whether that's time to myself, a creative outlet, I haven't been taking care of myself um like because think about when you've had a really good day nothing can make you jealous Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. when you are like you've just lost 20 pounds and you've been crushing workouts and you feel so strong and fit and you just got a raise at work and all these other good things are happening to you and someone else comes along and they're like babe i just totally fell in love with this new girl and she is a supermodel you're like oh my god i'm so happy for you because you're fooling yourself right Mm -hmm. and so if i'm experiencing jealousy i my first place to look would be where am i lacking where am i feeling insecure because jealousy ultimately is insecurity and um Luckily, I'm a very spiritual person. And so ultimately, I need to come back to my faith to fill that. And I feel like it gives me a leg up on secular polyamorous people um, because I have a whole other avenue of help that I can get that isn't earthly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I would take it probably into energy work and just look at, you know, sometimes jealousy is misplaced insecurity. So, like, if I just totally screwed up a job or lost a job or like went for a big job and didn't get it and now all of a sudden I'm feeling jealous about my partner's date. Mm. I'm not really jealous about my partner's date. I am salty and hurt. Spiraling, I, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. about something completely not related. So a lot of times it's not even related to that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my attack on jealousy is always rational 
Because when you start actually following the route of jealousy, what you find is there's nothing there. It's just an empty well. Hmm. And you think it's rooted in something and you start digging. And so I'll start like, okay, what am I actually jealous of? Do, do, do. Oh my God, it's just my ego. Mm-hmm. And the second that I discover something's just my ego, even though it still has power over me, it really lets the air out. And I can actually become a little more rational about it and allow myself to sit. And that's why I do so much shadow work. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to create a space where I can be super petty and be super jealous in a sacred space that's symbolic through art or play. But then that way I'm feeding the jealousy there. And then my partner can go enjoy his date at his buffet with his other girlfriend. And I'm not actually going to let the jealousy feed there. Right. Delicious. Yeah. Thank you. you. I love that so much. (laughs) um right so let's talk about a different kind of relationship okay let's talk about motherhood okay so you have a beautiful adorable sweet little muffin in your life now well azzy um so why don't we talk about how being a mom has changed you completely which i honestly think that it has in the best possible way like i think that everything isn't so much like beautiful and you've been a most like you were already an amazing person but i think that you've like become such an amazing person being a mom but nobody else knows that so let's talk about that (laughs) um and no one else knows (laughs) do they not follow me on instagram (laughs) no that's only for me um how is this new kind of love working into your life with polyamory have you in fact quote unquote settled down from an earlier question um and what does that look like what was the first question? First question um, was, how has being a mom changed you completely? And what are you, su- are you surprised stayed the same? Okay. Having nothing to do with polyamory. Yeah. Okay. Just, just. Okay. No, like I appreciate the stuff. separation because I'm about to go off in parts <laughs> two and three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Um. So how has being a mother changed me as a person? It's just forced me to be less selfish in some ways. And it has also showed me where my selfishness is. So I am very much like I re- I've discovered how much I like working. I have no desire to be a stay-at-home mom. I am a stay-at-home mom right now, um, but I'm constantly trying to work and I'm doing it. I, I consider myself a work-from-home mom, not mm. a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I have a lot. I don't have uh, – it's like sometimes guilt and sometimes I'm very just like this is what it is. Um, so I will absolutely like if I just get a call and I'm about to close a gig or land a gig because I am, you know, like I bring in the business to my family and in myself um, like I don't have salespeople. It's me. So if I get a phone call and somebody wants to close a gig and they want to talk about, you know, details or whatever, I will put on Elmo. And I'll be like, that will distract him for 30 minutes and I will close that deal and I will send off the e- relevant email and I will update my social media. Um, and I'm a little like, this is not ideal. And I wish that we made even more money so that I could do part-time daycare, which I never, ever, 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 ever thought that I would be for. I was like, no, he will be at home and he will be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And now I am like, ugh, I would give anything for four hours to myself during the day i cannot even tell you how much i would get done (laughs) uh it blows my mind so it's like really opened my eyes up to like how much i love to work and how much i love what i do and how good i am at it um and there's a part of me that wishes like man if i could if all if i was really into being a stay-at-home mom i would kill it like i would just crush it with how organized and how creative i am and i do feel like i'm missing a little bit of that motherhood piece um 
Joe and I are totally into me being the breadwinner and him being the stay-at-home dad. And he would like, all right, in the morning it's recess and we're going to go play and then we're going to do reading. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, please can't do that. <laughs> um, other than that, I'm not really sure. It's made me, I don't know other than that to say how it's changed me. It's just reoriented my priorities and it's made me more tired. <laughs> which has reoriented my priorities. That's fair. <laughs> what about you has stayed the same that you were surprised to find that you're like, oh, this is still true for me? Um, How much I love to work, kind of what my goals are. My sexuality is the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel, I don't know if this is related to him or not, or if this is just a change that was destined to happen over the last few few years, but I've become very anti just sad about the world like joe and i get a lot of existential anxiety and not so much of like my child won't have a world to live in because we're gonna kill it but just in general like we would really love to peace out like we don't really want to do this grind anymore and there was a part of me that 10 years ago would have said i will never leave reno and i love reno and i hope that this sustainable community that i dream of building is in here like Mm -hmm. northern nevada area um but one thing that's changed, whether it's related to him or not, is that we just, our values have become very apparent. And we would really love to be living off-grid, sustainable. We're trying to get our waste down to a very small amount. We've become kind of absurdly conscious of our footprint. And it's kind of weird to think that we weren't before. And wanting to just live more responsibly and consciously on the earth and it I get a lot of existential dread of like this circus that seems to be going on mm-hmm. in the political world and in and like all these revolutions are rising up in South America and Hong Kong and I just the feeling of what is really happening is rising up on me and then I have to go back to the mundane life of like I have to go change a diaper. Okay, we gotta run to the store and get food. And then I'm like I surprised Joe by redecorating our living room while he was gone last weekend. And there was like a part of me that was so excited to do that. And then another part of me that was like, what's the point? Why am I redecorating my living room when Mm -hmm. people don't even have food? You know, and I just weird, like, it's just really hard to explain. But um, I would love to be growing our own food and living sustainably with my child somewhere and producing digital media. Yes. Which is so interesting (laughs) because you think that. I think the correlation that we have between people living off the grid is that they are it's like no electricity, grid, <laughs> yeah. no electricity, no Wi-Fi, none of that. And you're producing digital media, but also creating as little of a footprint as you possibly can, which I think is gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah, well, I would love to like be solar powered. I would love to have internet and things like that so that I can contribute art and messages to the world um, until maybe my values changed enough where I thought that that wasn't worth it. Um, so that's how I've changed. Can we get nice. this cute patch of land over by the lake and I'll be your neighbor and I'll also help out as much as Please. I can. <laughs> Please. I'll live in your maiden's quarters. Yeah, we've just really become aware of our values, I would say. And I don't know whether or not that's related to Aslan or um, the obscene amount of ayahuasca I did in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say, Je- Jess was like, you should do this to me. And I'm like, I would wake up having murdered someone. I know it. I have such a terrible reaction to everything. Like, that's not how it works. Semi drug related. It's not Semi-drug. how. It's not how any things work with me. <laughs> My body is. It's also not for everyone. Which very scary. Yes. Yeah. I'm very much a zealot for it, but I have since learned it's not for everyone. Yeah. Like, for example, 
weed's supposed to be completely harmless and I get anxiety and I'm allergic to CBD. So I'm like, cool. So I can never calm down ever again. Sweet. I love that it's there for people like so much. I wish it was for me. Paige has a lot of defense mechanisms to make (laughs) sure things don't work for her. (laughs) Listen, I I gave weed the good old college try. I know. Full full year of trying everything different that I possibly could. Good for you. And ended up bawling in someone's arms more often than not. So (laughs) Well, but that's the shit that needs to come out though. That's not weed not working for you. That is potentially true but it's not something yeah, that not i want to feel on a daily like right. basis you that's know what i'm like it's not fun either depending <laughs> on your trauma yeah i can't wait i'm not ready <laughs> i'm great on drugs i understand how emotions work just so you know ayahuasca is not a drug sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> well how, how would you refer to it a medicine a medicine and i travel to south america to do it Ooh. So, for me, I haven't tried this medicinal thing. I've only ever done drugs. Yeah, right. And for me, the instance of doing drugs, I understand things a lot better. I understand my place in the world. So, I'm one of those people that I'm like, this is dangerous, and I understand that I need to not indulge in it every single day. Otherwise, I would live in it every single day, because I get it. And especially when I have conversations with people, that is the most compassionate that I've ever been, because mm-hmm. I'm ready to receive yep, hell yeah. people's information. And when I watch movies, I watch the silliest, like, dumbest movie and i'll be like but everything they're experiencing is real for them i can't hold judgment over that (laughs) and if i was in their position what would i be feeling what would i be doing yeah it's incredible see it's the same for me only it goes over the top and i have an anxiety attack about life in general i'm really good at processing and being productive through anxiety attacks drugs often show us the anxiety that we live with every day and it brings it up to bring it out it's not fun if you don't have someone holding that space for you and doing yeah. that work with you while you're on it. Then right. You're and the, yeah. And that's the real problem is that I will just like full on, you know, kill a man or like I would get like I, there was one time when I got high and I cried for three hours about wallpaper. Mm-hmm. It had to it come Paisley? out. I would also cry. We call that purging. No. It was because it was it's like the popcorn ceiling like kind of wallpaper stuff and so it creates asbestos which is going to kill everybody and I just spiraled from no, there. That, no, that happens to me. And that's what I'm saying, like the existential dread got to be so much because on my last I had journey, um, I went through a period where um the spirit that comes through the medicine is called the Madre. She is the spirit of this earth and she was just showing me all the corruption. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever read The Giver, but when he's, Mm -hmm. like, first receiving the power of the memories of his people, it was very much like that. I was like, oh, my God, I'm The Giver. Um, But where, like, I was just seeing a montage of all the corruption and all the darkness and all of the lies and that, and I, that, I'm just, like, great. Mm. But I was living ignorant to that. So which one would I rather? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I would be best on microdosing. I'm like, I just can't handle it all at once. Microdosing is where it's at. So. Like, I think that I would be like, oh, look, here's an emotion. Let's deal with that emotion. Okay, now we're done. Although microdosing is more like a Band-Aid. And it's a great Band-Aid because it's better than a lot of other, like, if you're going to be able to microdose instead of taking SSRI, it's probably better for you because it has less side effects. But until you fully blast off, is not you're not going to be able to process. Now we're on a total other passion of mine, which is plant medicines, and we might have to draw it back, too. We might have to do that later. Um, So. Part two of that question. You're up for the next question. Perfect. (laughs) Um, How is this new kind of love with your baby working into your life with polyamory? And can you give me part three? 
<laughs> have you, in fact, settled down, quotation marks? Oh, no, 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 that, like? not that one. We went over that one. I'm oh, sorry. I thought we were still... No, no, we haven't gotten yeah, to that one. We kind of... No. Let's, I, let's, I, let's I get into I it. Let's get yeah, into then it. get into Let it. Let me talk about this. <laughs> why is motherhood and polyamory, why are they mutually exclusive? Can someone fucking tell me why? Because <laughs> no one knows how to put them together if they're not in it, but mm-hmm. they're the ones making the judgments. Yeah, they don't understand. I... This blows my mind because polyamory, first of the first thing people are like, well, what do you tell your kids? Okay. And there might be polyamorous people out there who do keep their extramarital relationships secret from their kids. We do not. Okay. And it's normal. We don't make a big deal about it. We have friends over all the time. And this one is mommy's boyfriend. And that one is daddy's girlfriend. And guess what? Extra babysitting. Extra people who love my kid. Extra people who have a relationship and feel connected to my kid. It takes a village to raise a fucking baby. Why would you not want to grow your village? Mm-hmm. Please tell me. <laughs> and with people who obviously, it's not just strangers. It's not just people who are in and out. It is people that you are fostering relationships, building relationships. Yes. Who are saying. I trust you and I want to do this with you. Those are the best people yeah. you can have around your baby. And I'm not just like a swinger, nothing wrong with swingers, but it's not like I'm a swinger introducing my kid to everyone I swing with mm-hmm. where there's no emotional connection to or anything. No, this is polyamory. This means if I am introducing this person to my kid, it means I have a relationship with them and I want them to love me and I want to love them. And that means like knowing my son doesn't mean I'm bringing a first date home. Okay. And then people are like, well, if most of these relationships end, are you sure you want to be introducing him only to have him ripped out? Yes, because I. 90% of his relationships in his life are going to end. And I want That's my how it always works. I want yeah. my child to know what a healthy breakup looks like. I want them to know that oh they've seen mommy and daddy end lots of romantic relationships without drama. And when it was time. Well, that's it. Everyone always escalates it to like this most dramatic degree and what you say, you make it normal. That's right. fine. If we made it more normal, it would be fine. And that's mm-hmm. just yeah. that's not just introducing all your partners to your baby. That's if we make this situation more normal, if we make this situation more normal, we'd have a better vocabulary. We'd understand things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't jump to a conclusion like, you're doing something different. I know. And so, and I have a great track record where, you know, 80% of my partners end up great friends. So even if our relationship ends, they're not going to be ripped out of his life. Um, sometimes they do. And that's because sometimes people are toxic when they're together. And mm-hmm. that's not to say mm-hmm. one person is toxic and one isn't. But sometimes two people aren't meant to be together for that period of time. And yeah, that relationship had to end. And guess what? I can explain that to my kid. It's not hard. Just explain real life. Hmm. Which is so weird because it's either people assume that it's just sexual. And you're like, you're letting your baby meet all your sexual conquests. You're like, the baby's not in the room when we fuck. Right. My, I'm not having sex with my baby, right. with my partner. Right. And people automatically like assume that it's yeah. something weird and disgusting. I know. Or it's they finally understand that polyamory is about romanticism, Mm -hmm. but because we say that romantic relationships are the peak of what any relationship should be, then we're like, oh, that's how dramatic it is. That's something personal and special for you. How dare you introduce it to your baby? Which is so weird because they're going to go through so many times in life where they're classmates, they're teachers that are only there for a certain amount of time. And then have to go. And then let's talk about the, do you think Jess will settle down after she has the baby? Which I remember was the question someone mm-hmm. asked Paige that Paige right. swears she doesn't remember who asked her that. And I think she's lying. Listen. Okay, no. She so let me go it on. doesn't matter. But li- <laughs> it she, doesn't that matter. means she knows. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter who asked because that is a general consensus for the public. And that's why we're doing this is to educate them. Yeah, well, and so, to let them know that that's why this is why your question is ignorant. This is what this it is looks why like. your question is ignorant because people take the concept something like settle down as a law of the universe, like gravity. Like, oh, settle down 
is 100% not a cross-cultural thing. So the question, who's settled down, are you asking? You're asking me, do you think Jess will settle down when she has the baby? But settle down is defined by your settling down. Your settling down is not my settling down, but people don't think about that. Mm -hmm. They just think settling down is an objective truth like gravity. So will Jess, well, so tell me, mysterious person who wanted to know if I was going (laughs) to settle down after I had the baby, define settle down so in your mind i am not settled down if i am polyamorous is that because you think i'm having sex is it because i'm having sex five times a week and that is not settled down and three of those are with my um husband and two of those are with my boyfriend and that is not settled down so if settling down means i'm only having sex three times a week or is it that i'm having sex five times a week but all five are with my husband Mm-hmm. Who settled down are we talking about? You can write in at I could have a podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at We Swear on Chanel. We'd love to know. And, yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that is something. And the fact that I can't quite remember who it is because I really can't. Like, it could be any one of four people. Okay. Which means that all four of those people need to hear it. Okay, well. We'll send so it to them personally. They want to know, will Jess settle down after she has her baby? And I want to know, what do you mean by settle down? Please tell me. And also, please tell me why settling down is necessary to having kids. Because all I ever hear about is how parents need to stay healthy and keep their identity outside of parenthood so that they stay healthy and don't go crazy. That being said, yes, I have settled down. Because that, well, and that, like, (laughs) that is so important for children, too. Because what would happen if you grew up with parents who clearly had no passion or vision for anything? Oh, man, let me tell you exactly how your baby turns out. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's it could go either way. It could mm-hmm. be really detrimental to a kid to be like, well, like I can say, you know, my dad was passionate about geology. I went and visited him on sites like I learned a lot about like rocks and different things. And I have that knowledge because he was very, very passionate about it. My mom was passionate about writing my, um, you know, passionate about psychology. So I am therefore passionate Mm -hmm. about those things. And if they hadn't had those passions, I don't know where I would be. Right. So the question is loaded in that person's view of settling down because to me, the question might mean um, getting a boyfriend and also my partner having a girlfriend and us having a foursome and that being settling down. And when I'm monogamous, that's actually not settled down. And so like, that's not how they intend the question. They intend the question from a monogamous point of view. When is she going to stop dating other people and settle down? But Mm -hmm. to me, settling down would be having more than one partner. (laughs) That being said, I have settled down, and that's because I go through phases of settling down in the way that they mean, and it has nothing to do with being, well, I mean, I guess it might have something to do with being a parent or just being tired, but throughout my polyamorous life, there have been periods where I've been like, I'm over it. Not over being poly, but just over but just trying. for now, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then other times where I am on the prowl. Like, I will just wake up one day, and it's a very spiritual thing for me, so I literally feel my higher power going, there's someone out there for you, and I want you to go mm-hmm. meet this person and have an experience and learn some things and have some fun and open yourself up because I'm very shy and awkward, so it takes a lot for me to, like, push myself into the dating world, and then I get in there and I meet someone fucking amazing and we get to go on dates and be romantic and that is a hobby for me like Mm. people would not ask a normal like mother to give up their hobby dating is a hobby for me Mm. Um, and meeting other people and pushing myself out there and and looking at myself and looking at like how am I acting on a date because I have a tendency to be a chameleon to just try to get someone to like me and so when I'm on dates I'm like all right be authentic how far have you come how much have you grown 
how unattached are you to how this person feels about you? Um, you know, a lot of times when we're single we and we just really want a partner, we're just like trying to get anyone. Right. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm really trying on these dates to be like, how authentic can I actually be? And how much fun can I actually have in a place of unattachment? And it is fun for me to date. And sometimes I'm just like not feeling it. And so I'm settled down. And then will come a phase where I'm like swiping every time I'm shitting on the toilet. Because let's be for real, that's when we all swipe. Yeah. And that's. <laughs> I mean, you got it right. That's yeah. part of the process. And that's all true for single people as well as polyamorous people. And that's, that's like why it, in my opinion, is kind of a funny question. Right. Because it's like we're all the same. Right. And, but that's the whole point of this is to show everybody that we're all the same. Right. I just want that person to understand that that question is asked from the lens of their own personal programming and it is not a law of nature like gravity. And I think we need to take more responsibility in examining our own questions to people. It's they really think of it as cross-cultural like and this is going to be a weird it's almost a little too on the nose but another metaphor like if you went to a culture where it was normal to sit in a um, nursing circle and pass your babies to the left and that everyone is like nursing everyone's babies because it increases like tribe immunity and that was the normal it would be like walking into that tribal village and be like okay but when are you guys going to settle down and only breastfeed your own baby like, like that's so disrespectful it's to so work. disrespectful right. it doesn't even make sense to them they're like and what? even dangerous yeah and it's right. not how they do things and it's not who they are and i just wish people would understand their and i know they're working upstream because it's not their fault they were programmed into a monogamous culture my passion about it is just my own shit around the annoyance of it mm-hmm. um and i'm sure i i know that i have asked equally ignorant dumb questions and so it's the outsider's lens i know and as much as we think that we're polite it's when you're in it, you then see, oh, shit, I was so ignorant the way that right, I phrased yeah. this. Because you're coming from your own background, which is what I get, but it doesn't make it all right. right. Well, and you don't you don't know what you don't know. I know. And so I do want to <laughs> – I do want to maybe take a little hostility off because I was being dramatic because it was funny and it is also my frustration. <laughs> but I do want to take the hostility off because at least these people are asking questions versus right. just sitting there and they don't know. I just, my hope for you, dear listener, is that you would understand what I'm saying and that it would be equally as bizarre for me to come to you and ask you um, when you are going to settle down and start looking for multiple partners. It's all these weird questions that you're faced as a a parent, too, because then Mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, your baby, boy or girl. And you're like, why do you want to know their genitals? Which is why I had a genital reveal party. Because I was like, that is what you're asking. And, you know, Jetson just walked. Hi, Jetson. Hi, Jetson. Um, <laughs> we just took him. He, his work had a trick-or-treating where people walked through the cubicles. And it was like a safe trick-or-treat, you know. And I took Aslan dressed as a piece of cake. Mm, and so he had pink icing. So everyone was calling him a little girl. And everyone was calling Jetson the dad. What? And it was just this trip. I was like, Wild. if it was blue icing... Is it just that he's a cake and cake is genderized as like feminine? Or if it was blue icing on the cake, then it would be a little boy. And because this is a male showing affection for this little kid, he must be the father. And it was just weird. That is the wildest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, like I saw that and I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cute. And if somebody was like, well, is it a boy or a girl? I'd be like, it's a fucking cake. (laughs) It's 
wrong with you? Well, and it's not like they were asking. They were just saying, she's just so like, cute. Yeah. She, oh, and everyone was calling him honey, and which was kind of an eye-opening moment for me because no one calls Aslan honey when he's dressed traditionally as a boy. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone call him honey until they all thought he was a girl. That is where I want people to do huh. the most work. It's just the things that we would normally say that we just fall into routine of saying, figure out why. Right. Right. Because if people were to think about like, oh, I'm calling this person a girl. Why? And then be like, oh, because is it the pink icing? Yeah. Is, is it, it the pink, pink icing? And then you get and them I, and they're like, I don't actually I understand don't actually why. Know. It just keeps yeah. me because of certain ingredients. Yeah. And I never, honestly, like never would have thought of that at all. Like, that's my weird programming, I guess, where I would be like, what are you talking about? And I know that I genderize babies. I know that I do. Like, you see one and you want to be like, oh, she's so cute. And your brain just decides this looks like a little girl or it looks like a little boy because mm-hmm. it has long hair. It has short yeah. hair. It's wearing a blue I mean, we dinosaur do, shirt. We yeah. do that with animals. We do that with everything. Like, you know, all cats are female and all dogs know, are male. And that's, like, like oh, not true. It's not. And I'm trying to just be like, oh, what a cute baby. And sometimes I've even been starting to be bold and start asking I won't say like is it a boy or girl because I'm trying to get away from that programming of you don't know you know right. but just like finding a way to like how does um, your baby identify <laughs> yeah. Ooh. oh there's oh, there, oh there's the spider there's a spider on the microphone oh I'm glad we brought it because I was like oh I don't want to interrupt the flow that we have by announcing that I found the spider yeah the the last uh uh podcast we recorded one fell on my mic and then into my shoe and so i was just holding it together for the last five minutes of the, the, of the it was great creativity Ooh. well then awesome for me i had a spider hanging up in my honda and then it blew up Ooh. i want to take it good. outside so i we so, benevolently catch and release spiders in our home so <laughs> okay we're back the spider what? has been benevolently released out back was it a boy or girl spider I don't know. <laughs> you didn't ask? <laughs> it might have been a drag Excuse queen. Me. Bitch had long nails. <laughs> Dear Spider, how do you sexually identify? <laughs> totally. Daddy long legs versus mama long nails. Oh, my God. Oh, totally. my God. And she's just out it. here. She's like the ASMR queen who's like clinking on all your materials to make sure you hear no. that she has like a new set. Daddy long legs is a great legs. drag queen name. Yes. I love it. Okay. Um. So the next question is how has dating been with a baby? Like, has it complicated things? Like, you're like, well, now I have to get a babysitter. Um, do no, people bitch, react? my husband is the babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but, mama's going on a date, and but he's if, like, have fun, babe. But and if I Joe has bring... a date, too, then oh, Well, we would have happens? a date at the same time. We okay. coordinate so okay. that we aren't paying for a babysitter. So scheduling yeah. mm-hmm. totally. works. Um, and then have people reacted any kind of way to you having a baby when you're dating. So I know a lot of people, like, I'll unfortunately do it where I'll be like, ooh, okay, you have two kids. How old are they? Do I want to be a stepmom? And, like, that will absolutely, like, I I will... I haven't noticed that, and I think it's just because anyone that I'm dating, um, I think they see me as interesting anyway. So, like, if I am on a dating app, which is most likely not polyamorous people that I'm meeting, and they like me, they think I'm cute, funny, smart, and they want to get to know me, the baby thing's sort of irrelevant because they're not looking at marriage. 
Mm-hmm. They're just like, this is going to be someone I'm going to date. It's going to be short term. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be fun. And so I don't think the kid thing. Like It has never different. felt like anything to me. And also, mm-hmm. um, I have pictures of my family on my dating apps. Cute. So it's like the first one, obvi, super cute picture of me. And then the first swipe of like looking at the photos is like a family picture. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll even do that where I'll look through and I'll be like, ooh, he doesn't say, say that he has kids. But like, there's a little girl in this picture whose is it right <laughs> like, and totally and i feel like a lot of guys are like that's my niece in the second picture you know they will yeah, yeah there will be some that'll totally be like that's my niece um this one's not my dog and i'm like oh if that's not your dog then i'm not interested in dating you what <laughs> I, I feel like i it's just different because i have a family and so people coming in know it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. if i have kids because we're not looking at marriage mm-hmm. that's fair which is also a weird thing to do is when you have a niece is why why would you assume that other people would be upset or not like you if you had a child? Because I think for single because people, it matters. It's, it's a deal breaker. Which is a conversation well, I just Yeah, I just like to know what I'm getting into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not necessarily a deal breaker for me, but it is something that changes the game and I want to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I really like this guy, then I'm like, okay, will I really like his kids? That's a thing that needs to happen right. eventually. Because I don't go into... I go into dating slightly differently because I'm you know older and it is more of like a listen i don't have a whole lot of life left so let's just move this along like is this an actual thing that's going to go somewhere like i'm not really interested in dating somebody for a few months and having them break my heart so it's just a different way of dating yeah so my answer to the question is i haven't noticed anything i think people are just like find me interesting and are just like sort of take it for what it is and it's just out there and i have zero energy around it either Mm -hmm. way so i don't really attract like anything weird. for a different episode can we re- create like the top five questions you think are super important to you to ask on a first date or to know upon a first date sure i love it i'm writing it down right now yeah. do you want to yeah. ask the last question the last question are you ready i am i is ready how adorable is joe as a dad oh my god the m- he blows me out of the water he's the superior parent and people are like oh you're great and i'm like no i know but he is the superior parent. <laughs> like, he's just... Granted, he's not the one home all day. I'll say that. <laughs> um, he's adorable. So sexy. So present. Um, I belong to this Facebook group. It's private. I'm not going to say what it's called. I was added by another local mom. And it's a place... I'm really glad it exists. It's a place where moms who are overburdened and underappreciated can go to rant about their husbands. And I have never once related to a single post. I know that I score the fucking husband dad jackpot. I am well aware. People all the time feel like they need to remind me of that as if I have ever once like taken it for granted. Maybe sometimes I have, but um, I know what I have. And I also know that I deserve it. And I also know that I raise a really high bar too. So people always say that as if like I'm a shithead who scored a great, person um and in some ways i have underappreciated joe in the past but for the most part we make each other better i read these stories about these dads who just come home and they play video games and they're like where's my dinner and they don't want to play with their kids they don't want to be burdened with their kids they're like throwing them in front of the television or a video game and they just are checked out i have literally nothing to complain about and um and then i look at a few examples of 
friends that I have who became parents and I just don't think the dad was that interested in being a parent Mm-mm. and it makes me really sad and I know what I have and I'm like man Aslan he could always grow to be a sociopath like the, that's just out those outliers exist in nature mm-hmm. I totally understand that but probably he's going to be really fucking dope hmm. because he has a dad who is very in touch with his emotions is very spiritual is all about personal responsibility and personal growth and no anger and peace and balance and um art and loves him and spends time with him and so joe felt really bad so this lifestyle that we practice has a lot to deal with wounds that were created during your childhood is what you spend the rest of your adult life like processing and healing and so joe was devastated for three days because he thinks he created a wound yeah it was so cute but he aslan just wakes up in mood sometimes like toddlers like maybe he didn't get enough sleep or his blood sugar's low or god knows what maybe his dude we all do yeah (laughs) and it's irrational it's very irrational Mm -hmm. and he cannot communicate what's wrong yeah he can barely talk sentences and so um he was just fucking joe's grill and i joe lets me sleep in every morning joe gets up and does the morning routine and i get to sleep in let me just say and i could hear him fucking joe's grill and just like asking for things and then screaming like i want cheese and then joe would give him cheese and he'd be like no you know just irrational and joe got frustrated and um got like angry and that's like how wounds are created is when parents get angry and so he felt beat himself up for like three days Mm. and he's like i just keep having this vision of this little wound being created inside this little turkey heart (laughs) babe yeah so watching joe be a dad is the best and yeah did you <laughs> re-fall in love with him did your love yes. hit another level totally 100 percent. all of it yeah he's just a great parent and it adds this whole other dimension that we would have never seen without that J- jetson falls in love with him too like jetson sees him being a dad and he is just like we both like will hold each other like <laughs> <laughs> and that's why my insta stories are filled with like, mm-hmm. and I'm always trying to come around the corner on the Insta story too because I'm trying to give the viewers the moment that I just had of coming around a corner mm-hmm. and seeing. Like they didn't even oh, hear me come there. home yesterday because they were in the back playing some game that was making Aslan laugh so hard that they didn't even hear the door open. And so like I just creeped up the hallway and just walked in on them. I think they were throwing themselves on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so cute. <laughs> And thank you for getting to share that with us. I know that yeah, helps. You share your story here mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. people to listen. And then you get to share your story online as well through your Instagram, which people yeah. can see these are the steps that we're taking. Mm-hmm. We're seeing your process, even from the birthing process. Mm-hmm. We were all there for. Yeah. Can you so can you plug where you wrote about the birth of Aslan? Because that was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So I had a home birth and I had my friends document it for me so that I could share it with the world and I was very blessed and privileged to succeed in a home birth and I had the most incredible team and I told that story and it was it's actually been published several times so I'm very proud of it if you go to alchemistmovement.org just click on our blog or search the birth of Aslan Ray it's on there it's very long um, and there are very graphic uncensored photos because normalize the normal 
I want mm. to normalize real life and normalize the normal. And so I shared, even though I'm so insecure about my body and what it looked like at the point, I just forced myself to do it anyway because that's what it was. Yeah. And I look tired and ratchet, but I pushed that baby out after 22 and a half hours. I mean, you were giving birth. I think you're allowed to look a little tired. <laughs> totally. Um. Yeah, no, I t- and, and it got, you know, it was hard. He was not coming. He was stuck. He was literally stuck. Ugh. So, um, you know, it's kind of a miracle we got him out at home. Hmm. No one's really sure how it happened. I know it was Jesus, but. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I'm like, no, it was as he was just like, listen, I'm not ready yet. I haven't finished this novel in here. I, you know. I did keep bartering with him, though. Like every time it was like, if you want to be born at home, I need you to do this in the next hour. And he did it every time. Yeah. That was the only thing that kept me at home. Otherwise, I was like, fuck it, let's go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But so I just kept um, like bargaining with him and telling him what I needed to happen for me to stay at home and not go to the hospital. And mm-hmm. Can you explain why you chose, and we can say no to this, why you chose an at-home birth versus a hospital birth? Oh, God. I could go on for this for a whole another hour. I will try to keep it to two minutes. Um, the home birth experience to me is very powerful thing it's where birth started um birth is not a medical experience birth is a natural experience um in an uncomplicated pregnancy and so it's just always been my dream to have a home birth that being said the u.s has one of the worst maternal um birth certificates birth statistics in the um in the first world so we have the highest rate of cesarean, unnecessary cesarean sections, and, um, C-sections. And we also have really high rates of something called obstetric violence, which is unwanted procedures being performed on mothers without their permission, which causes a lot of trauma. But then it's normalized because the people in the white coat said you needed that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they're just trying to usher you out of a hospital. And so they don't have the time to spend with you to allow you to birth naturally. And so that doctor has a golf game at four. So we're going to need to go ahead and dose and, you with Pitocin yeah. and get this labor going and cut, give you... Um, cut your perineum just to get that baby out when um, the mid the whole point of the home birth midwife experience is to allow the mother to labor naturally and to allow her to have agency over 100% of her labor experience. So there were times that my midwife would be like, okay, so medically this would be the best thing to do. And I'd be like, nope. And she'd be like, okay, great. Imagine being listened to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Imagine. basically what's happening um, is that no one's listening to mothers um, and especially women of color have the worst uh, birth statistics um, in America is women of color. It's actually very dangerous for women of color to be giving birth in hospitals. And so um, the home birth experience is actually safer than the hospital experience. That's wild. Mm-hmm. It's just oh. the illusion of safety that mm. you have at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and should something go wrong, which is very rare, but should something go wrong immediately, yes, of course you want to be in a hospital, but most of the things that go wrong in a labor aren't emergent. Mm-hmm. Like, my midwife has the best transfer rate in Reno, meaning she is more likely to transfer than a lot of the crazy, like, zealot midwives who are like, we will not go to a hospital. Mm. My midwife will be like, we're going. She plays it very, very safe. But it's not like an ambulance. It's like, okay, get in the car, and then we'll drive, and then we'll check you in. Um, so most of the time, these aren't emergent things. And in the case of an emergency, she's trained. Gorgeous. So with a 22-hour birth, 
did that make you go, okay, we're going to wait a minute until we have another baby? Or were you just yeah. like, no, we're, we're still on track? No, no. <laughs> I, am more, I am more traumatized by being a mother than I was the birth. Yeah. Not, yeah, I, I cannot fathom having another child. So um, the birth was traumatic and immediately after I was like, never, ever again. It was so fucking traumatic. Um, but then literally the brain um, doses you um, with oxytocin to make you forget about it so that evolutionarily you have more babies. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't really remember. And then you see your fucking baby for the first time and hold it. You're like, never mind, I want six more. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so and just and, like, um, why aren't there more coming? But the postpartum experience was awful. It was horrific. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hated it. And no one talks about it. And I can't figure out why, because it was an absolutely awful experience. And I never want to do it again. Oof. Okay. And thank you for being open with us sure. about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for oh. doing this. Oh. Guess oh. who is up? It's a turkey. He just woke up from his nap. Mommy, mommy. Mom. Welcome to my life. <laughs> well, uh, just where can they find you? Um, I would really love them to follow me on Instagram at reverend.levity, also your judgmental friend, and the utility players. I run a lot of Instagram accounts. Also, I have a YouTube channel with my child mm-hmm. called The Very Show, where he learns to feel his feelings, and it's very cute. And you should, <laughs> so cute. Please subscribe to that. Hey. Joe, where they, where can they find you? Joe Daniel BB on Twitter, Petty Prince Reno on Instagram. Paige, where can they find you? They can find me at Paige Clarno on Twitter, at Paige and Reno Land um, on Instagram. And they can find me on Facebook at uh, Paige Clarno, comma, podcaster, etc. Join all four people that like me on that. <laughs> We're going to get at least six after this. We're going to get six. And where can they find the show? They can find us at We Swear on Chanel on Instagram and Twitter. And I couldn't help but podcast on Facebook. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank thank you you so much. And um, everybody remember always Always wear wear a condom. condom. Bye. It's not stopping. It's not stopping. stopping.